This is Jennifer Gonzalez welcoming you to episode 90 of the Cult of Pedagogy podcast. In this episode, we're going to look at nine different ways professional development is getting so much better. I literally can't even wrap my head around all this stuff. It is Sunday, March 4th, almost noon, and I have been organizing and rearranging these ideas for days now. I have to get the podcast out, so I just had to cut myself off. Just a few days ago, I popped onto Twitter and I asked people to share their ideas for alternative PD structures. Holy cow. As I put this together, the responses are still trickling in. I started down this path thinking that lots of districts were still stuck in a one-size-fits-all, sit-and-get, whole-school PD model, where the entire staff is herded into one room to listen to one expert talk. I have been the person on that stage, and even in the best of circumstances, I still get that uncomfortable feeling when I look out over the crowd and see the folded arms, the faces turned down to screens, the bouncing board feet. It sucks to be the presenter in those situations. But evidently, that model is disappearing because person after person told me about all the innovative ways their schools and districts are reinventing professional learning for teachers. I've done my best to curate a good list of those ideas here, but honestly, it was like trying to drink from a fire hose. After a while, I just told myself I was going to have to stop collecting and just get the big ideas out there. If you really want to do a deep dive on any one of these, go to that Twitter thread and I'm going to provide a link on my website and follow up with some of the people who share their practices. So what I have for you today is a list of nine alternative models for teacher professional learning. All of these are being tried in different schools, some informally and some really in a well-developed way. Many schools are using a combination of them. It's just, it's incredible. It's a feast really. I'm so excited and encouraged to see so many schools willing to personalize learning for their teachers. Lately, it has seemed that this is a really sucky time to be a teacher. But I'll tell you, if there's one thing that's actually getting better about teaching, I am pleasantly surprised to say that thing may be professional development. Before we get started, I would like to thank our sponsor, Pear Deck. Every day, teachers present material through PowerPoint or Google Slides presentations while students watch from their seats. The problem with that model is that it doesn't really engage students. Some will tune you out, others might be lost, and not every student wants to speak in front of class. With Pear Deck, you can take that same presentation, add interactive questions, and send it straight to student devices so they can participate in real time. As students engage with your Pear Deck, you see their responses on your device, so you can tell right away who's getting it and who needs help. Built by experienced educators and tested in the real world, Pear Deck is integrated with G Suite for Education and is a fun way to get every learner participating. Pear Deck is offering my listeners a free 30-day premium access trial. Just go to PearDeck.com, that's P-E-A-R-D-E-C-K, dot com slash cult of pedagogy all one word and you can redeem that free access i would also like to thank you for the reviews that you've left for this podcast on itunes reviews are a really important part of a podcast success and over 500 of you have already taken the time to leave me one i check them every week and i appreciate them so much 
If you haven't left a review yet, but you like what I'm doing here, take a few minutes, head over to iTunes, and let me know. Thank you so much. Okay, let's start looking at these nine alternative PD models. For each one, I'm going to describe the model first, and then I'll talk about one or maybe two examples of it happening in real schools. All of those examples are going to have lots of links to go along with them, either links to the Twitter accounts of the people that are doing them, or to websites or videos that show this process in action, or even to a Google Doc or a photo of some document that they use. Just a ton of resources. So if you hear about a strategy you want to actually try, come to Cult of Pedagogy, click podcast, and find episode 90, and you'll be taken to a page with links to everything I talk about here. Okay. Model number one is unconferences. You might know these as ed camps or teach meets, but the principle is the same. An unconference is a grassroots conference where the content is provided by the attendees themselves, not outside experts. It used to be that these were organized primarily as separate events outside of the official school PD, but now administrators are bringing the model in-house to be the actual PD. Although there are variations, unconferences basically work this way. Number one, a time and day are chosen, along with a venue, probably your school, uh, where available rooms for sessions are identified. So we say we have you know, 10 classrooms that we're going to use for this event. And then using a spreadsheet, uh, a Google Sheet is ideal because it's cloud-based and everyone can get to it. The day is divided into short blocks of time. Sometimes these are just 20 minutes long, other times they may be up to an hour. And then people volunteer to run those sessions based on their areas of expertise or even things that they've just learned about. These can be teaching methods or tech tools and so on. Now, I said that these are not generally taught by experts. Um, I actually participated in one uh, not too long ago that was organized by a school district where it was sort of half and half. They had half done by the teachers that actually worked there, and then they invited some people from the community or from elsewhere to present on other things. So it doesn't have to only be uh, content provided by attendees. That was the original model, but I think people are experimenting with this. So here are two examples of schools that are doing this, although I got a lot of responses from that Twitter question of schools that are doing something like an ed camp or a teach meet or something like that. But two that I wanted to, to talk about, um, uh, one is Klein Kane High School in Klein, Texas. They did something called a PD carnival this past October. Um, and so they sort of set it up like an unconference, you know, where people um, signed up for sessions and, and that sort of thing. But they also added a Halloween costume contest, and they also did carnival-style games at lunch. And I brought this up because I really like the initiative that they took to add a little bit of extra fun to it, which they didn't have to do. But giving your staff opportunities to bond like this can make a huge difference in your school's culture. If, if you've been listening to my podcast for a long time or if you've gone back to the archives, you might remember episode two where I interviewed Carrie, who had been a teacher for five years and ultimately decided to leave teaching. And one of the things that we kind of dug up in that interview was that it seemed like her administrators in, in several schools didn't do much to get the staff bonded with each other. And I had never really thought about that as a, a factor in why teachers may leave teaching or be unhappy with it. But after talking to her, I, I looked back on places where I've been happier teaching and other places where I wasn't. And 
you know, getting the staff comfortable with each other and making some memories with other staff members, I think it's really important for retaining teachers and keeping them happy. So I thought it was great the way that the organizers of this PD carnival in Texas decided to add an element of fun to it. It made it, uh, they said it was a very successful day. And um, so anyway, but that was also an Ed Camp style event. Another one was shared by an English teacher named Will Melvin. Uh, he teaches at Central Bucks High School South in Warrington, Pennsylvania. And he said that their school does something called a genius bar. Uh, he says once a month, teachers present many lessons to other teachers on different best practices. Each teacher rotates through two to three sessions and can engage with e with a teacher presenter to learn. So they, they set up a one-note notebook, and it'll be sort of on one particular topic. So he shared with me one that was on formative assessment, and it was broken into four or five different sessions. And so some teachers shared a tech tool that they used, some used, shared a process that they used, and then other teachers who were interested in that could go and learn from them. So I thought that was also a really neat twist on... Uh, an unconference. They sort of spread it around throughout the year. Number two is intentional PLCs. I made up this term because <laughs> I tried to figure out a way to describe this. I heard about this type of thing in, in a couple of different variations. So here's what an intentional PLC is. The concept of the professional learning community, or PLC, has had wide interpretations. But in many places, it has just defaulted to the grade level team or a content-based team. But in some schools, teachers join PLCs with more deliberate intentions. When PLCs are chosen by teachers based on a shared interest or a mutual commitment to growth, they get much better results. So if your school is already doing sort of default PLCs, one of the things you could do is just shake that up a little bit and say, how about we group ourselves by interest instead of the content area or grade level we happen to be teaching? Um, so here are two examples of that. Uh, Pennsylvania's Gettysburg Area High School switched to, I'm calling them themed PLCs, or like they had, they call them uh, PLCs with a focus, um, This just this past school year. The areas were determined ahead of time by the principal. So uh, the principal chose topics like formative assessment and hybrid teaching models. Um, I don't know how many areas there were, but once those topics were decided, and these may have been based on the school's overall vision for the direction they wanted ahead, and then teachers signed up for the PLCs that they wanted to join. Once they were formed, the PLCs then set their own goals. They created their own timelines for meeting those goals. And so the person I spoke to there was um, Christina Goddard, who is a reading specialist and a special educator. Um, and she says that it's going really well. She says she enjoys having choice and that this model really gives them the opportunity to develop whatever it is they're learning into something they can apply right away in the classroom as opposed to just these broad topics that, that normally got taught at their, their one-size-fits-all types of of PD. So this one seems like a, a really nice model to, to choose from. Another example I wanted to include within this intentional PLC model is the example of a mastermind. Um, and if you have been listening for a while, at episode 72, when I interviewed Danny Bauer, he runs masterminds. These are small, intimate groups of educators that regularly meet, that regularly meet in person or online to set goals, to talk through problems, they do book studies, and they basically hold each other accountable for professional growth. So 
this is a much more loose structure, but it's people that have come together deliberately to work on their practice. And I think you could have themed masterminds too. Um, the ones that he runs are not themed. They are just people that want to learn and grow together as educators. So episode 72 is where I interviewed um, Daniel Bauer about that. And then there's also a blog post that goes over the um, the guidelines for setting one of those up. So I could see those being done sort of district-wide. Um, or even within a school, setting up a mastermind group. The thing about those that works well, I think, is that people go into them voluntarily. They're not being pushed into them. So I could see that being an option. And speaking of options, (laughs) that is number three. Number three is choice boards. So what I love about all of this is there's just so much differentiation. Okay, Here's how choice boards work. Teachers are given a menu of PD options to choose from. Depending on their district, they may be required to complete a certain number of options within a certain period of time, or it's more loose. So um, I'm gonna give you two. One is much more structured and the other one is much more loose. We're gonna give you the structured one first. I apologize, I have a really bad cold right now. (laughs) At Big Spring High School in Newville, Pennsylvania, Teachers choose one option from what they call a best practice group choice board. So these groups are best practice groups. It was created this school year by instructional coach Nikki Donato. So teachers choose one thing from this board, and I'm actually going to open it up right now on my computer and describe it to you since you can't see it. And I will just show you. So imagine a grid that has nine squares in it, except one of them is empty in the middle. Teachers can choose, for example, they can choose one-on-one coaching, and this is what they're picking for the year. They would be meeting twice a month with a coach, one-on-one to, you know, collaborate on on progress, to set goals. This would just be one-on-one coaching. Another option is to go to lunch and learns. This is where they bring their lunch and learn about a new strategy you know, over lunch. So sort of really short sessions and they're required to do two sessions a month. What's the way this school has it set up is that every teacher has to choose something and their commitment is twice a month to do this thing, whatever it is. Another option is flipped PD. Teachers who choose this option actually get sent a video or article ahead of time that they have to um, consume. And then in the face-to-face meeting, which is twice a month, they talk about it. So there's a bunch of you know other options. There's a small group option. There's even an option for teachers to create their own um, idea. It says insert your idea to personalize their own learning. So it's really flexible. And so each teacher basically chooses one thing from that board, and then they that's what they do for that year. So Principal Bill August says the staff has responded well so far because it's timely and it's tied to their immediate planning and teaching. Um, He also said to me in a direct message that he thinks one of the reasons it's worked well is because they really disliked the way they did it before, which was the whole group um, type of PD. And he he said he thought that buy-in sometimes was better if, if the whole staff really disliked what they used to do, that almost anything seems better after that. I thought that was hilarious. And so Nikki Donato also said that that as an instructional coach, and she's the one who came up with this, she feels like it's gotten, it's made her work so much more impactful because she said that when she used to just meet with planning teams on their planning period, she didn't really feel like she was meeting anybody's needs that well. 
But now with this model, she said teachers are talking to her about their instruction a lot more and a lot more that was even required before in the past. So uh, they're just using her as a resource a whole lot more with this model than they used to. So then a different type of choice board, this is sort of the other end of the spectrum, it's a lot more informal, is being done at Westfield Middle School in Bloomingdale, Illinois. Um, this is done by assistant principal Nicole Gabney. I hope I'm saying your name right, and their technology coach, Nancy Green. They've got a DIY PD bingo board. It's just, I'm gonna click on that too so I can explain it to you. This one is really informal. They just are encouraging their teachers to try to like get as many squares as they can throughout the year. And this is in addition to the regular PD. So right now there's sort of no like, you know, accountability or documentation that they have to do. They wanted to keep it kind of light and encouraging. So on this bingo board, for example, one thing is visit someone else's classroom. Uh, another is participate in a professional book study. Uh, lead a building-based PD session. Invite someone else into your classroom. Participate in a Twitter chat. So it's a bunch of different options set up just like a bingo board. And what they do is at staff meetings, they've got a whole staff board that's a replica of, these, of this tiny one. And they're encouraging staff members to come and put dots on the ones that they've done so that they can sort of see how, they, how they're doing as a whole school. I thought that was just a really cool idea. And I think they've got some prizes for teachers that reach certain milestones. I know one of the things that Nicole told me was that one of the prizes that teachers can get for reaching a certain level of bingo is more time basically for professional learning which i thought was great because teachers always need more time so like they'll get like a half day or a sub day or something like that to pursue some other interest okay so those are the first three so far we've got unconferences intentional plcs and choice boards the fourth one is personal action plans in this model, individual teachers set their own personal learning goals along with a specific plan for reaching them. Often there is also a plan for making the results public with colleagues. So this one sounds wonderful, that every teacher basically just sets up their own plan. I've got two different examples. One is, is really, really well developed. This is a group called Cohort 21 in Ontario, Canada. This is a sort of a an association of independent schools has organized this and every grade level and subject area can send one applicant to to this cohort it's a year-long thing teachers meet face-to-face -face four times and basically they design and implement their own personal action plans they spend a lot of time getting to know each other and then figuring out what area of growth they personally want to do uh, they do a lot of sort of sharing and publishing of of their work and it seems like a really successful program so that's called cohort 21 and then another school is noble crossing elementary in noblesville indiana they have just implemented their own teacher genius hour teachers are given regular time to pursue specific teaching related interests uh, I talked to instructional coach Lauren Smith and she explained it this way she said topics are selected at the beginning of the year and then during our district early release days in lieu of typical PD teachers and staff have time to work toward their learning plan either independently or with a learning team throughout the process there is time to reflect and adjust learning plans or even topics so they you know if they pick something that ends up not working out they're not stuck with it the whole year some teachers and staff will either switch topics she says or they'll start a new topic if they feel their current project has run its course okay so that's the first four I'm going to take a quick break to thank this episode's other sponsor, PeerGrade.
PeerGrade is a platform that makes it easy to facilitate peer review in your classroom. Students review each other's work, while PeerGrade takes care of anonymously assigning reviewers and delivering all the relevant insights to teachers. With PeerGrade, students learn to think critically and take ownership of their learning. They also learn to write kind and useful feedback for their peers. PeerGrade is free to use for teachers and students. To learn more, visit cultofpedagogy.com slash PeerGrade, P-E-E-R-G-R-A-D-E. Okay, number five is called voluntary piloting. Rather than requiring a whole school to adopt some new initiative, with voluntary piloting, a small group of committed, interested teachers volunteers to take on the task of trying out the new approach. And this was actually a blog post on Culture Pedagogy a couple of years ago. And I thought it made a really good um, model for this list. So Krista Taylor, and she's the one who wrote this post, along with her colleagues at James N. Gamble Montessori High School in Cincinnati, Ohio, launched a voluntary piloting program to get better at differentiation strategies. So basically, a group of teachers wanted to get better at differentiation. And so instead of trying to get the whole staff to do it, they just went to their principal and said, can we just make this our PD for this year? And he backed them up and supported it. So it's explained in more detail how they did that in the post. But as far as the results, um, what Krista says is those of us in that original pilot group have achieved our original vision of classrooms where differentiation has become a norm. Meanwhile, she says, other members of our faculty have followed our lead and differentiation strategies are being implemented at different levels throughout our building. So one of the great things about voluntary piloting is that when a small group takes something on first and has success with it, that success can be really contagious throughout the building. So it, it can work so much better than just force feeding your entire staff a new approach. So that was number five, voluntary piloting. Number six is peer observation. With peer observation, teachers take advantage of the best source of free professional development available each other. By watching their own colleagues teach during classroom visits, teachers learn things they can immediately apply in their own work. If they have follow-up questions, the experts are right down the hall. And I have three different examples. This, this one kind of came up a lot in a lot of different formats. So the first one is called the learning walk model or learning walks. With this model, small groups of teachers visit several classrooms in succession, observing with a particular lens. For example, they might be looking at student engagement, or they might be sort of measuring ratios of teacher talk to student talk. After each visit, so they walk around together sort of during the course of an hour. After each visit, the group debriefs about what they learned. And what I've done for this one is I'm actually linking to a video on the teaching channel that sort of shows a group doing this and how it works. So this one seems like a great model for peer observation. Another one is one that if you're familiar with cult of pedagogy at all, you've definitely heard of pineapple charts. My friends Ross Cooper and Aaron Murphy and I were at a conference a few months ago and pineapple charts just kept getting brought up a lot and they started making fun of me because they were saying, oh, there go the pineapple charts again. It's just, it's really caught on. So um, 
If you've never heard of them before, um, this is an idea that Mark Barnes and I introduced in our book, Hacking Education, a couple of years ago. Uh, and it was kind of initiated by my sister, Abby, in Massachusetts. But the idea is just that it's a calendar that you keep in your school in a real central place, a big calendar, where teachers advertise what they're doing in their class that day. And other teachers can see that and they say, oh, I've always wanted to learn how to use Flipgrid or I've always wanted to see a frog dissection or whatever. And so it gives them an opportunity to come and visit. By advertising what's happening in your classroom, you're essentially saying, anybody wants to come and see, please come and see. And so it's really, really informal. And whenever I've explained it to people, I keep encouraging them, please don't try to formalize this and make a bunch of documentation out of it. Keep it light, keep it informal. And in some schools, pineapple charts are working really well. In other schools, they've kind of flopped because people aren't really doing it. So if you want to learn more about pineapple charts or you've tried it and you haven't had a lot of success, um, in the blog post, I am linking to the original blog post where I explain it and I give a lot of tips for sort of how to sell it to your staff and get more buy-in. Uh, and you can also search the hashtag pineapple chart. It's just hashtag pineapple chart, all one word, on Twitter. And you'll see, like you'll see schools that are doing it. And that would be a really easy way to sort of connect with places uh, that are doing it and ask them questions about how to get it going. So that's another system for teacher observation. And then one more, um, this is somebody who works in the UK. So if you are one of my British listeners, uh, his name is Paul Garvey, and he has got a, a system or a protocol called Talk for Teaching. And it's sort of similar where teachers observe one another and then they debrief after and they do all of this sort of with the support of an instructional coach. He's got a book called Talk for Teaching, Rethinking Professional Development in Schools. And so this is another system for you know, teacher peer observation that um, is really making a big impact um, over in the UK. Number seven is micro-credentials. With micro-credentials, teachers earn badges these are digital badges usually, uh, for completing challenges or learning pathways that have been created ahead of time. And this is usually done online. This is something that has been a trend for a couple of years now, and I'm starting to see it more and more. And it's just, it's really neat. So um, I'm gonna be providing links to two really great, really well-developed systems that have already been put in place um, by school systems. Uh, the first one is called Epic Academy, and this was originated by somebody named Lucas Gillespie, who is the Director of Academic and Digital Learning for Surrey County Schools in North Carolina. Um, the platform is a game-inspired professional development program in digital learning. So on this Epic Academy, teachers choose quests based on their interest. Within each quest, teachers complete tasks, and as they complete tasks, they unlock the next level of the quest until they reach mastery. So that is definitely one worth checking out. And then there is another one from a city called Liberal, Kansas. This is USD40, and their website is called The Innovation Factory. This was created by instructional coach Virginia Duncan and technology integration coach Kate Pilland. Kate, I'm sorry if I said your name incorrectly. Um, I hope I'm saying it right. On, on the Innovation Factory, it's a system of leveled challenges. With these challenges, the teacher sort of chooses a topic, right? And the, any teacher who does this challenge is going to do the same topic as everybody else, but it's like a tiered assignment. They get four different levels of difficulty to choose from. I thought this was really neat, this type of differentiation for teachers. So check that out too. I've got a link there, and I've got a link to... Um, 
you know, an example of one of their challenges that has sort of a combination of online and in-person learning. And then they also give you um, options for how to sort of publish your learning and share it with others. Number eight is blended learning. Taking advantage of all the great learning management systems available, some schools are offering some of their PD online. Teachers can do the required modules on their own time and then submit some sort of evidence of completion to get credit for the work. Staff may meet in person to debrief or they may be excused entirely from face-to-face -face meetings depending on the requirements. So I saw a couple of teachers pipe up on the thread about this. Um, I only managed to grab one example in the time that I had left. Um, and this came from a teacher called Lynn Cashel, or Cashel, uh, in Garnet Valley, Pennsylvania. Um, she told me about how her school uses blended learning with Schoology, which is a, it's a learning management system platform. She says, there are two courses posted in Schoology. As teachers complete the courses, we upload lessons or other required elements. Administrator reviews and grades the work. Now, if they choose not to do the online version, the school also offers it in person on a normal scheduled in-service day, but the teachers that have already completed it online are done and they have that time. They've got more time freed up basically on that in-service day as long as they've met the requirements. So that one seems like a really, really good alternative or a way to sort of start shifting what you're already doing and make some options uh, blended or flipped learning. Okay, and the final model, number nine, is lab classrooms. In a lab classroom, a host teacher demonstrates a strategy in his or her own classroom with students while visiting teachers observe. Now, this is a little bit different from peer observation because it's, it's really set up ahead of time. It typically includes some pre-observation work, some co-teaching with an instructional coach, and a debriefing after the observation. Um, I've linked to an article from ASCD's education leadership site um, that really goes into a lot more detail about it. So this is a kind of peer observation, but I think one of the big differences is that it's set up ahead of time. I'm going to use this method. Everyone's going to come and watch. We're going to debrief after, and we're going to have real you know, kids in here, you know, sort of showing you how to do this thing. So I've got two examples also. This is again from Noble Crossing Elementary School. Instructional coach Lauren Smith says that they offer two different types of these lab classrooms. One is a mini lab that's only a half day and it focuses on a single skill, such as conferring in a reading workshop. Or they've got day-long mega labs that focus on larger protocols like a whole reading workshop. Um, what she says is that every teacher will have either experienced a mini or a mega lab by the end of the school year. Another example is from Carrie Alday, who is the director of elementary curriculum at Westfield Washington Schools in Westfield, Indiana. Indiana is and Pennsylvania are both really shining today. For some reason, I got a lot of responses from those two states. She shared her school's Build-A-Labs model. She says you go into a classroom and someone can model a teaching strategy like a reading conference. After that short model, the other teachers then grab a student and try out a reading conference right there. So in this type of a lab, the students are, are going to be used basically as practices for the, for the teachers that are visiting. So they don't just observe, they observe and then try right away with students. So that's a, another little twist on it. So just to review one last time, we have got number one is unconferences, two is intentional PLCs, three is choice boards, four is personal action plans, 
Five is voluntary piloting. Six is peer observation. Seven is micro-credentials. Eight is blended learning. And nine is lab classrooms. So here is my final thought for you. If you are in a district that is stuck in a PD rut and you feel like there's no chance they'd ever be willing to try something new, I just want to encourage you to have hope. Pass this along to the people in charge and let them know that a complete overhaul is not necessary. Even trying one or two of these ideas on a small scale would be a great start. If no one bites, try something yourself. Yes, you'll still have to sit through PD that feels irrelevant, but no one's stopping you from getting your own PD on top of what you're required to do. Find a small group of enthusiastic colleagues, pick an option, and just try it. If you get good results, share them with your staff. Sometimes all it takes is one brave person to stand up and say, look everyone, I tried this and it was good. You can be that person. Go try something. For links to all the incredible PD ideas in this episode, visit cultofpedagogy.com, click podcast and choose episode 90. To get a weekly email from me about my newest blog posts, podcast episodes, and products, sign up for my mailing list at cultofpedagogy.com slash subscribe. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. This podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. To learn more, visit edupodcastnetwork.com.